Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It's our first time back on the air here for the 2021 season. Bob Long alongside me, Tyler Gelhouse. So excited to be talking Nittany Lions Sports Report with you. It's live here on Bob Long Sports and on the Sports Stream Premium Network. Many thanks to Bruce Badgley for taking us on for this upcoming year. Tyler, this Penn State team comes off a disappointing year in 2020. No other way to put it. Started 0-5. Won the last four, but in the time since, so many changes to the roster, guys declaring for the NFL and subsequently getting drafted. A backup quarterback transfers now as the starter at the University of Kentucky and really no other answers at the quarterback position. Running back room, very strong. Wide receiver room, strong at the first two. Some questions on the depth and then so much to talk about on the defense. But really, I think the biggest story and something that everybody was expecting to see and what we've seen in many, every previous year is depth charts and Penn State is not issuing a depth chart this year we saw it in some week zero games most notably Nebraska and Illinois who played uh, <laughs> I guess you could call it one for the ages in a week zero matchup Scott Frost squarely on the hot seat but we're here to talk about Penn State we're here to talk about that trend no depth chart we'll briefly hit on that but let's talk about who we believe will start and let's give Penn State fans a roadmap to what they'll see on Saturday as they travel to Camp Randall to take on Wisconsin. Yeah, qu quite the opener uh, that Penn State has uh, at Wisconsin. Um, you know, last year, starting off at Indiana the way the season did and the way that game ended, um, you know, kind of started the season 2020 that we're going to leave behind us, uh, put a sour taste in, I think, Penn State fans, uh, team, coaches, you know, everyone's mouth. So, um, Hopefully, Penn State has a better outcome this year in Week One on the road. As you mentioned, uh, it's not going to be an easy, easy task at all. Uh, Wisconsin ranked 12 in the country, uh, a very, very, very good defense. Um, they have a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, but you know, if Penn State wants to get to where they want to be, and we've talked about this for a lot now, you know, these are the kind of games you have to win on the road. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen often you have your first game on the road in conference, so let alone against a top 15 team. But that's what's at stake um, this Saturday when Penn State travels to Madison. It's going to be a really tough first couple of weeks for Penn State. Ball State in the home opener, second game of the season. No sleeper. I mean, they had a great season last year in their conference, and they should be a really difficult opponent at Penn State's home opener at Beaver Stadium. Second one. At Beaver Stadium, third game of the season, of course, is Auburn. It'll be the whiteout. A tough ticket. We were talking about that off the air. But so infrequently do you see a game like this where an SEC school comes up north. And Penn State, they've done a decent job to schedule and really what we've talked about year after year with nine Big Ten games and only 12 regular season games. You really only get one of these shots a year to schedule a big-time out-of-conference team. Sometimes it'll be at home. Sometimes it'll be on the road. In fact, really, the only way to set that up is to do a home-and-home and, home and, and have that home game like Auburn be on the year where you have only four of nine Big Ten home games. So that's where that's going to fall this year. Auburn comes to town, and we'll see a lot of those games in the years until about 2030. But let's talk about this one. Penn State, Auburn, and in these first three weeks, we're going to figure out very quickly whether they're going to have any shot in the East and whether that game against Ohio State matters whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there, there's no tune-ups this year until they get to week four and play Villanova. 
And I, I know that one. I know you like that one. But I mean, that's the reality of the situation. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, the backup quarterback situation, Sean Clifford returning. Well, there's not a good amount of depth there at, at quarterback. And you really don't have any experience if Clifford's not doing well, throwing somebody else in. And you have to make sure you have all your guys ready to go both sides of the ball because you're going right from the start this year, kind of like you did last year under different circumstances. But there is no tune-up preseason type of game to get ready. You're going right into it this year. Let's walk right through that depth chart then. Will Levis transfers to Kentucky. He wins that starting job. At least for me, Tyler, it was never a question or never a expectation that he was going to win that job against Sean Clifford. In my mind, if Will Levis was Penn State's starting quarterback, that was going to say more about the regression of Sean Clifford than, than anything about Will Levis. But we wish him well of course, in Lexington, Kentucky. The one thing that was a little bit of a surprise over the course of six to eight months is that there was nothing addressed in the transfer portal. Now, there's a lot to unpack there because there wasn't a ton of talent in the transfer portal. A lot of times those portal guys, they have existing relationships. There are things from when they were recruited out of high school and such that uh, aid those decisions. And then I'll repeat it again. There just wasn't that much talent that you're saying absolutely is a better player than Sean Clifford. Right. I mean, I agree with you um, on that. In fact, there were people that were saying, you know, if Sean Clifford were in the portal, which he obviously wasn't, he would have been the, the top prize sure. out there. And, um, you know, I still, I still think I would have liked Penn State to have grabbed one quarterback. Obviously, they didn't feel that uh, that, you know, reasoning but I I thought that they should have because now they're they only have three scholarship quarterbacks going into the year Sean Clifford um Taquan Roberson and then a true freshman Christian um Veilu Veilu from from Canada and um you know Clifford gets hurt you know then you're going to Roberson who really doesn't have much experience and then next in line's Veilu who has no experience so you know really Penn State goes, and we've said this before, but as Sean Clifford goes, he has to stay healthy, he has to play well, because behind him, we just don't know what we have at the quarterback position. And of course, when you look at the class of 2022, you look at Drew Aller, you look at Bo Prabula, Prabula, a Central York, Pennsylvania kid, took his team all the way to the 6A state championship game, where they were overwhelmed, as everybody has been in recent years, by St. Joseph's Prep. Uh, and then, of course, we've we've talked a lot about it, but Mike Yersich, being a first-year offensive coordinator, he's developed relationships with other quarterbacks that he's tried to recruit to o- Ohio State and Texas, respectively. And so at this time next year, could we be talking about a quarterback out of the transfer portal to join a sixth-year Sean Clifford? and an untested Taquan Roberson, and an untested Christian Veyu, and two true freshmen, Drew Aller and Bo Prabriola. The answer to that question is there's no way that all six of those guys are going to be on the roster. Exactly, and if I may add to that, um, with the NIL um, now you know, in full effect, I guess you could say, where players can make money on their name, uh, image, and, and likeness, there is a chance, you know, if Sean Clifford has a, a good year, to a really good year, to a great year, that he might just say, I'll come back for a six year and I can, you know, make more money potentially doing this with, you know, 
Blaze Alexander Ford, exactly. no free ads. Instead of, <laughs> instead of potentially taking a risk at the NFL where, you know, let's be honest, right now he's, he's not an NFL quarterback. Um, but, you know, that's a, a totally different yeah. uh, conversation for another day. But it is important that some of these guys that might not have the NFL, um, you know, game to them could end up making out with some cash in college, which is something to consider, you know, moving on. Which, again, we're getting too deep into the rabbit hole. But at that point, then, what, at what point do the schools step in, right. James Franklin, and say, hey, we... I, I we appreciate everything you've done for us. Thank you. Sure. Um, we are right. we are exiting the scholarship yeah. that we've offered and you, they, and we need to go another right. direction. But I think it's important to note too, because of the quarterback room. You know, like you said, they're bringing in two uh, really good quarterbacks next year, and and do you then bring in a guy from the portal for competition and experience? We'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important thing there's is there's three five uh, three five star quarterbacks at Ohio State that aren't going to win the job long term. R- right. That's the other yeah. thing, that, which uh, is where Mike Yersich comes from. That's true. Um, but you know, hopefully, Sean Clifford plays so well this year that we want him back again next year. Um, that that should be what we want is him to play so well because if he plays that well, that means Penn State's going to have a really good season. And as we continue on the depth chart conversation, no doubt about it, Sean Clifford is the number one quarterback. He is the guy that Penn State is riding with this year. And as he goes, so will this team. What are the keys for him to be successful this year, Tyler? And let's focus the discussion on the difference between Kirk Shiraka at offensive coordinator and Mike Yersich, who comes from Texas and, as, a, as I mentioned, the quarterback's coach at Ohio State the year before. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I have a lot more confidence in Mike Yersich um, than I do Kirk Scirocco, Uh and I think a lot of that is just his track record. Um, nothing to take away from Kirk Scirocco. He's been successful, but Yersich has had a really good career, especially with quarterbacks um, during his time at Ohio State. And Texas, um, you know, he, he had good quarterbacks at both of those stops. So even though he wasn't there long, um, but he has he has a different um, demeanor to him. Sharaka, a little more quiet, a little more reserved, maybe not as intense. Yursich, not as active on the recruiting that's, trail. That's very true as well. Yursich is, for everything I've heard, extremely intense. You know, and and just kind of wild, which you know I think is 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 a good change up compared to what we had last year because. Let's be honest, last year the offense kind of resembled the, the, the offensive coordinator in a sense that it was kind of like you know, boring, dull, you know, and, and I'm, you know, hopefully we see some more fireworks this year with the offense. Um, I can't help but wonder if some of the, the play calling and the vanilla, bland aspects of the offense came because, quite frankly, they could not trust John Clifford to run well, the offense I, that Tanner Morgan did I at Minnesota. I think that's very, very possible, and I think something that we have to remember too is they were trying to install a new playbook, new, you know, all this under, you know, the COVID protocols that they had where they weren't even really practicing as a team until a couple of weeks before the first game. So, like, it, it has to be really hard to try to put in a new offense like that. This year, you know, they didn't really have those, um, you know, challenges um, like they did last year in terms of, you know, practicing at different times. I think we should expect to see a much better product on the field this year than we did last year. Um, I mean, at least we we really should. If not, there's other big issues there. Sure. And Sean Clifford, he's a smart kid, and he's a tough-notes kid from Cincinnati. He is no dummy. He understands that there was a lot 
of criticism lobbed his way. And if he's anything, the way we hear the coaches talk about him is he took that personally this offseason, a la Michael Jordan, and I took that personally. And let's see quite truly if he has the ability to do it because I don't doubt that the effort has been put in this offseason. He has done a great job to mesh himself into Mike Yurcich's system. And let's just see if he can be accurate enough and if his misses, Tyler, can be in the right spot because too many of those misses were high and over the middle of the field last year and put the defense in an impossible spot. That needs to change. The misses need to be out of bounds and into the ground, and and he needs to embrace that system and leverage the weapons he has all over the field. And I think if Mike Yurcich can be the quarterback whisperer that we think he can be, I really think this offense can be really good. And, again, it's always going to be as Clifford goes, Penn State goes, but you have an amazing group of running backs. Bob mentioned earlier, top one and two receivers with Dotson Washington. That's really as good as it gets in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State's one-two punch. Um, You know, you factor in a number three of Keandre Lambert-Smith. He should be poised for, you know, a breakthrough year here in year number two. Um, The tight end room is probably... It's definitely the best in the Big Ten. It's probably or maybe the best in the country right now with Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, and Tyler Warren uh, all have, um, you know, they're getting rave reviews um, from from the coaching staff. And then, and then you know, it starts at the line too. Um, and, and the line, and we've, we've said this a couple years now that, you know, this is the year the line should really be ready. Well, you know, if it's not this year, I don't know if the line will ever be ready at Penn State because you have at left tackle, you have um, Rashid Rashid Walker, Walker, who by all counts has the year we think he's going to have. will probably be a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some folks were a little surprised last year that it didn't go better and that that he's still wearing a Penn State uniform. Yeah, a lot of people thought, you know, he's going to go pro after last year. It didn't have the year he wanted. Comes back, was just named captain today, Mm -hmm. Um, along with Sean Clifford, by the way, who's a three-time captain now. So, I mean, that tells you something about his leadership. Absolutely. um, Which you can't take away from him. Um, But, you know, you have Walker at left tackle. Left guard's still up for grabs, but then you have Miranda at center. Mm -hmm. uh, Slid over from guard. Juice Scruggs will be at right guard. And then Caden Wallace at right tackle. So, you have really good bookends at, at the tackle spots. Really good guard with Scruggs. Should be a really good center with Miranda. It's about that left guard spot. I and think. let's let's get into that, right? Because we're talking depth chart, and uh, I love the smart guys. I'd love to see Eric Wilson, the grad transfer from Harvard, yeah. get a shot on the line. Yeah, and I think that um, at, at the left guard spot right now, it looks like uh, I think Anthony Wigan, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Lackawanna guy. product. Yeah. yeah, I think he might get first shot at left guard. Um, they also like uh, Des Holmes. Yeah. Uh, so well, he's gotten good time in right. sort of a he's backup had, he's role. He's had some injuries. Versatile. And he's versatile exactly. Uh, Salim Warmly from Delaware, a younger guy. And then um, Eric Wilson, who you mentioned. Um, but I don't think Eric Wilson got to camp really until the – like he wasn't there for spring ball. He had, he to, had, he had to graduate hard, yeah. hard to believe, right. But um, so he, he might be – I don't want to say for sure he might be a little bit behind, but – they're going to find somebody out of that group. And, you know, I, I think that they're going to rotate early on. And, and, you know, we said that they go right into it. There's not really any time to get guys ready. But you throw your guys in, you'll eventually figure out your best five. Uh, and that fifth being at that left guard spot. And I think they'll go from there. Tight ends, we talked about it. This is pretty easy. Uh, Theo Johnson and Brenton Strange. And Brenton Strange, I think, will be the guy to get the first team snaps. 
he's a, an incredibly talented blocking tight end. Good receiving the ball as well. A lot of hype around Theo Johnson, rightly so. He should get a lot of snaps. But, Tyler, I look at this as Brenton Strange is the first guy running out on the field. I think if there were a depth chart released, which we're not going to have, um, I agree with you. And I don't, I don't really think there would be the or designation there. Um, but I will say that I expect to see, and, and I thought we were going to see more of it last year, Fryermuth getting hurt, I think, kind of took that away. Um, is the 12 personnel. Absolutely. I really like the 12 personnel. I think you can do a lot with it. Uh, and for those that don't know, it simply means, and you do a better job of explaining it, but it means, go ahead, because I don't want to mess it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, tight ends is the second number, and number of running backs in the backfield is the first number. So 12 personnel means one running back, two tight ends, and how that would look seismically from uh, schematically from Penn State's perspective would be likely shotgun snap, Noah Kane to mm-hmm. the right or left of Sean Clifford, and then one either one tight end on each side of the line, or if you're trying to go with a heavy look, you can go two tight ends on one or, side. Or could you technically even have them split out wide in the in the slot position and still be considered absolutely? But yeah, I, I think that creates a lot of problems. Um, one of those problems being a lot of these defenses don't go up against the twelve personnel. It, it's hard for the college game to really cover it defensively because they don't see a lot of it because not a lot of teams have multiple high-end tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something that could happen um, as early as, as Saturday against Wisconsin. Two things on that. One, important to do it because Penn State fancies themselves and they're being successful in becoming a tight end factory. In order to do that, you have to show guys a pathway, a high schoolers, that, hey, we can get more than one of you guys on the field at the same time. Just like running back and what we've, what we've yep. seen. Secondarily, we said right at the beginning of the show, Parker Washington, Jahan Dotson, your Y and X respectively, who's the third? And we'll talk about that next. We don't really know, but you have two elite pass catchers that also are tight ends, provide a lot of matchup problems, have incredible measurables, and still are going to be big-time matchup nightmares for most linebackers. So why not use that strength and not highlight that deficiency as to who's who's going to be that third receiver. So I think you'll see a lot of two tight end looks. And again, what do they look like? Is it more run blocking scheme or is it sending them out wide into the slot position? And I think both of those guys are talented enough to do both. With that said, wide receivers, really a wide open conversation. And that third mm-hmm. spot, whether that's Cam Sullivan Brown, uh, whether that's Keandre Lambert-Smith, whether that's my buddy Winston Eubanks who we had on the show, I, I know that's a, a challenge for him coming up from Shippensburg to get into the rotation, but there is a lot of young talent. Sam Cam Sullivan-Brown doesn't really fit into that equation, right. but Harrison Wallace, Liam Clifford, there's a lot to think about at not only that third spot, but who gets in there when Parker Washington or Jahan Dotson need a blow. Yeah, I I personally think that um, Lambert Smith will be the third the third receiver. I think after that you have somebody like Cam Sullivan Brown who's been around for a while now, entering his fifth year. Um, you know, nothing flashy. Um, kind of reminds me of like a Brandon Mosby Felder from from the Christian Hackenberg days when he was behind Allen Robinson. But he was he's kind of just like a security blanket in a sense. But he's not going to do anything that wows your or you know keeps defensive coordinators up late at night like Dotson and uh and like Washington will um and then behind that yeah I mean 
I'm looking at two of the younger guys, Wallace and, and even the, the younger Clifford, Liam Clifford, um, playing in the slot there at receiver. I think that, um, you know, the wide receiver room after really those four is wide open and up for grabs. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting, you know, to see. Um, but, you know, that's another reason why we both think that they're going to go to a lot of 12 personnel. So that's your offense there. And like you said, two captains, Rasheed Walker and Sean Clifford, the quarterback. Let's flip it to the defensive side. A lot of interesting conversations there. Second safety was a big one coming into the year. Keaton Ellis moving full-time to safety. Of course, Jaquan Brisker, a preseason All-America watch type of guy and a guy who had a fantastic year last year, vaulted himself into those conversations. Cornerback has been interesting for years in this Penn State system. Linebacker, Brandon Smith, Curtis Jacobs. We saw Jesse Lucetta take a step back last year. Where do they go from there? And then the D line. So let, let's attack it from the defensive secondary up to the line. Yeah, I mean, it looks like right now that the um, the starting cornerbacks will be Joey Porter Jr. and, and Tariq Castro Fields. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of true freshman Kalen King, mm -hmm. who's big been, fan he, of him. Yeah, apparently the staff is too. He was the most advanced true freshman that they've ever been around, um, which is unbelievable considering some of the guys they've had in the program in the last couple of years. And specifically that position that has started and played more true freshmen than yes. any other position on the roster. Yeah. And to say that Kalen King is more prepared than your Keaton Ellis's of the world, right. very impressive. Right. So I think that um, you know Kalen King will get a lot of time. I think Johnny Dixon, transfer from South Carolina, will get a lot of time in that cornerback room as well. So I think you're probably looking at those guys as the top four corners right now. I think if you want to go to a fifth option, you're probably looking at Marquise Wilson, who I think will play a, a little bit on defense, and I think we're going to see him on special teams. And I think right. we're going to see him even at receiver get a couple chances uh, at receiver. He's just an all-around athlete, um, kind of guy that might not have a real position, um, but he's flashed at cornerback in, in his freshman year two years ago, took a step back last year, and he's just he, he's a he's a game player. He's a um, so. Um, they might they might look to him a little bit there, um, and then safety. Uh, you mentioned it, Jaquan Brisker. He will be you know everywhere pretty much for this defense. Hopefully, he can live up to the preseason hype. Um, and then opposite opposite of him, Jair Brown, another Lackawanna guy like Brisker. Um, and then uh, you know Keaton Ellis probably backing backing him up or mm -hmm. pushing him there for a time. So I think the secondary. I really like the cornerbacks. And I really like Jaquan Brisker. It's going to be that other safety spot yep. that we have our eyes on. Joey Porter Jr., a guy just to, to think about how great a year he had last year. Uh, it wasn't expected. Coming into camp, there was the thought that he was not the most advanced cornerback in that class. But it turns out that he certainly was and will be a leader on that team this year. Big to have Tariq Castro Fields back as well injuries last year, some of which we heard about, some of which we may not have, but a guy that has every incentive to come back and maximize right. and his if senior he, year. If he can stay healthy, I mean, he could be really, really good. I mean, if he stays healthy, he probably puts himself maybe in like the third round for, for the NFL. Bingo. And that's, that's what I'm getting at there, right? Every motivation that he needs to come back and make this his year. Because talking about him as a sophomore – and with that build and with that physique and with those measurables, hey, he's a guy that everybody just assumed was going to be an NFL corner. A la the Grand Haley's and the Christian Campbell's of the world. They got a lot of guys. Um, Armani Oruarie got them all drafted, right? 
Castro Fields was supposed to be the next guy in that list, and it just hasn't happened. And so he decides to stay for his last year, his extra COVID-enabled year. Yeah. Maybe this is the time. It, and if he can return to that across from Joey Porter Jr., that's a definite. Yeah. Well, and another, and another name I forgot is, is Daquan Hardy, who actually will probably be the slot cornerback. I don't know if they call nickel. him nickel. Yeah. yeah. So, Star. Yeah, exactly. So I forgot that name. Uh, but the room has a ton of talent. You know, it's it's about staying healthy. Um, and, and, and really, you know, they're going to get tested week one against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got some good receivers, which you're really not used to hearing. Um, so and apparently Graham Mertz is this world beater that I'm just not. Well, he was when he played Illinois last year in week one. But yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't, I have, don't see it. Haven't seen it. Uh, TBD. I agree. I agree. But don't see it. We'll see. We'll see what yeah. happens. But as we get to the front seven now, Penn State. Brent Pry returns for another year. Tyler, you were less than thrilled with our buddy Brent for a while there last year, and of course they didn't have a great year. But they'll return to their normal 4-3 look up front, four defensive linemen, three cornerback or uh, linebackers, three linebackers and four defensive and, backs. And so, uh, well, sure, right, exactly. <laughs> so with that front seven, right, three up front, four in the linebacking core. What do you see there? Well, with the linebacking group, I think on the outside, I think you probably um, you might have your best tandem really in a while with uh, Smith and Jacobs. Um, you know, it would have been really cool last year to see Smith and Parsons play together, but that mm -hmm. obviously didn't happen. But these two guys are absolute freaks. The um, question that people are going to ask you, though, is who's going to play in the center? Well, I... To me, it's easy. It's it's Ellis Brooks, uh, especially with Jesse Lucchetta getting a lot of reps now at defensive end. Um, it appears that Ellis Brooks will be the guy in the middle. And while that it, that is important, um, it certainly is important, especially against teams that like to pound the ball, Wisconsin, Auburn, Iowa, uh, you know, even Indiana to a certain extent. You, you're going to have that middle, line middle linebacker out there on, on, you know, most of the plays. However... They're, I think they'll run a lot of four-two-five, which we just kind of talked about. When they'll have Smith and Jacobs on the field, and they'll bring an extra um, defensive back, especially on obvious passing down. So that's how I see the linebacker room shaking out. Now the depth, I believe, is going to be a little bit of an issue at that position. Uh, a lot of younger guys are behind the starters that just don't have the experience yet. Um, you know, Tyler Elsden, Kobe King, Kalen's twin brother, also a freshman. Charlie Catcher, who just hasn't been healthy at all during mm -hmm. his time at Penn State. So, you know, there is reason to be concerned with the depth at linebacker, but the starting group is very good, and two of those three are, you know, elite linebackers. So um, as long as they stay healthy, the, the linebacker room should be okay. Interesting your comment on, uh, on Jesse Lucchetta getting reps at defensive end. And I think that's a great move. Put on a little size. He was always big for a linebacker. But that's a role, Tyler, where you do have to do a little bit less thinking and less spatial. And mm -hmm. that's something he always struggled with. It wasn't yeah. the athleticism. Well, and a lot of times they didn't even have him at Mike in the middle. They had him at Will. Absolutely. Lot, especially last year. And that, yep. that just wasn't his his spot. I mean, obviously it was Parsons' spot until he decided you know, to go with the NFL. Um, but he, he was just out of position at Will a lot. And I think with him, you know, he's still getting reps at linebacker, but, you know, 
I'm sure you're going to get to the Adisa Isaac injury at defensive end and the lack of depth there. They just mm-hmm. thought it would be the best move to put his hand in the dirt yeah. or maybe be a stand-up end and, and you know provide depth and kind of get after the quarterback from that role. You're absolutely right. Let's talk defensive end because Penn State lost a lot. Shaka Tony, gone. Jason Owe, gone. Baltimore Ravens. Anthony Shelton, say what you want about him, but a reliable starter, gone. Florida. So now what? Well, P.J. Mustafer, he's your anchor at that position. Adisa Isaac, like you mentioned, he's injured. Uh, there were a lot of guys fighting for these spots at a position where, like you said, don't have a ton of depth, didn't have a ton of time. They only played five games last year. Even Jason Oway didn't get a ton of time. And so when you look at this position, it's, it is a little bit of a concern uh, because games are won and lost on the – Lines of scrimmage, mm-hmm. like everything you just said about the offensive line, you appreciate the versatility and the veteran nature of that line. That should be strong. But against these high-powered Big Ten offices and these strong running games, it's important to have a defensive line out there that you can trust. They've been spoiled. Itar Gross Matos, Shaka Tony, Jason Owe didn't get a ton of time, but the raw athleticism was always there, and he affected the game. Um, and again, I, I really liked what Anthony Shelton and P.J. Mustafer could combine to do up the middle with Shelton at the one technique and Mustafer at the three technique. Now, you know, Mustafer getting a little bigger over the offseason. Is he going to need to slide inside? What do you see? Well, I look at it, you know, obviously it's a defensive line as one group. Um, but when you break up the defensive tackles and the defensive ends, there's a lot of differences. Um, you know, for example... Um, you're, well, you're going to have transfers making immediate impacts at both of those positions. Um, I'll start off at defensive end. You're going to have Arnold Ebikete from Temple, a transfer mm-hmm. from Temple. He'll be starting white. on the one end, um, and they really, they really like his game. And he's a redshirt junior. His goal is come in, play lights out, get a good you know evaluation for the NFL, and and kind of take off from there. Uh, opposite him was going to be Adisa Isaac, um, who didn't play too much last year behind Owe and Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was poised for a breakout year. Pierce, he has a um, lower leg, some sort of injury that will probably be out most of the season, if not all. So that hurts in, in terms of your depth. So it sounds like Nick Tarburton will get a start at defensive end. Um, and then behind that, it, well, first of all, Tar Burton's an unknown. Mm-hmm. He was part of the 2018 class. So you have somebody like Micah Parsons, who's already playing for the Dallas Cowboys, in the same class as a guy like Tar Burton, who came in as a linebacker and is really making his first game appearance since being at Penn State as a, uh, a redshirt junior. Uh, and he's going to probably get the start. He's finally healthy. Um, they kind of like what they're seeing right now with him at defensive end. But behind those guys, I don't know who I don't really know who's gonna fill in the you know the depth there. They're gonna have to have a couple of plug and play guys. You know, Smith Vilbert gonna be ready. Is Hakeem Beeman gonna be an inside and outside guy? I don't know. So mm-hmm. um, the depth at defensive end is a little thin. Defensive tackle, I think it's a different story. I think Mustafer um, is gonna have a really big year. He really needs to. They um, need him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he might be like the most important guy really on the defense. Um, and I know that's saying a lot, but. With his push up front and, you know, making the tackle lanes mm-hmm. there for the linebackers. Um, I would throw him and Brisker into yeah, that 1A yeah, category I agree. for most uh, important guys. I agree. And then next to him, you might have Derek Tangelo, a transfer from Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
even even depth there, you have Beeman, who I said could play end or tackle. Um, you have a guy like Fred Hansard, a big guy who's been playing a ton of football. Devon Ellis uh, came on strong late last season. Um, so you have a lot of depth at defensive tackle, more than you do at end. But, um, yeah, I mean, the lines, we know how important they are, especially when you're going up against a team like Wisconsin, who always has a strong OND line. you got to be ready in the trenches. So there you go. That is the presumed depth chart according to Tyler and Bob here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report. And you talked about lines. Let's talk about another line. Five and a half. Wisconsin favored by five and a half points against Penn State this upcoming weekend. We're going to have a special guest picker, Ryan Ansel of Ryan Ansel Basketball. He'll be on with us in a few minutes. Tell us his story about he's, how he is bringing his resources, basketball instruction, and know-how to the youth in Philadelphia and beyond. It's a wonderful story. He actually just picked up a job as a head coach at a high school as well. We'll talk to him about that. But most importantly, we're going to pick some college football, so we'll leave our picks for just a short couple of minutes. Nice tease there. But what do you see? Penn State, Wisconsin, one of the feature games, both teams in the teens, nationally, one of the biggest games of the weekend. I can't wait to see it. Big noon kickoff on Fox, which is nearly derailing the Big 12, among other things, early starts. But uh, doesn't matter to us. We're here in the Eastern time zone, and we're going to take advantage of that 12 o'clock kick. College football season starts week one right off the jump with as good a game as you can get. What do you have for us there? You want me to give you my pick now? Not or? a pick. Not a pick. No, we're teasing that. But what are some of the keys? What what should fans be looking forward to? What are they going to see well, in Wisconsin? Okay, I mean, I'll start. Yeah, I think a lot of times when you hear about Wisconsin, you think, okay, you know, the line, the run game, game manager, quarterback. I think this Wisconsin team is actually a little bit different than your typical Wisconsin team in the sense that, yes, they're going to have a big offensive line, which most schools have big linemen. I get it. But these guys are, you know, they're bigger than your normal linemen. Um, their running game I don't think is – nearly as strong as it was, you know, historically when you look down down the years. And apparently it sounds like they might be more of a throwing offense than they are a running offense, which isn't Wisconsin. Um, you know, we you talked earlier, you're not a huge Graham Mertz fan. I saw him play a couple times. He had his highs and his lows. I wasn't overly impressed for such a highly recruited player. They do have some weapons on the outside. Uh, they also have a really good tight end, Jake Ferguson. But when when I when I think about their weapons on the outside with their receivers, I, I really like the way that Castro Fields and Porter and our other cornerbacks match up against them. So I you know I'm actually a little bit um, optimistic right now. It, you know as long as Penn State and Brent Pry in the defense, you don't have a Tanner Morgan type game where he throws one incompletion and lights you up. You can't make these average to okay quarterbacks look like Johnny Unitas. I mean, you have to, you just have to play fundamental sound and good play calling on defense. And I think Penn state should be able to take care of business. Yeah. But we've seen this before where these random quarterbacks go off. So that's kind of where I am with it. And I'm not really, I'm not really sure which way I'm going to lean yet. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. A five and a half point spread is a pretty big one. And now it is a road well, game. It is. So it's that's big... three points there. 
Um, I and act- and a four and five team last year, right? I, both, I don't know that. Yeah, and I think both teams, not to cut you off, were pretty similar last year. Like, and even Graham Mertz and Sean Clifford were like kind of similar. So in that high expectations yeah. were not met. Y- yeah, and you know, not that Sean Clifford had any games where he was like unbelievable, like Graham Mertz was in Week One against Illinois, but. Yes. I mean, if you look at Wisconsin's schedule last year, there were a couple games in a row where they dropped like seven points, and that was it. So it's not like Wisconsin was a world beater last year anyway, but I think we kind of have to throw last year out the door because it was such a fluky year. Yes, it was. And what we'll see this year is Camp Randall Stadium, one of the toughest places to play in college football, one of the loudest venues. Jump around is one of the best traditions of any stadium in college football. Great place to go see a football game. If any folks at, uh, that are Penn State fans are out there going to the game, send us some pictures, send us some video. We'd love to feature that in an upcoming show. But it'll be a tough place to play. Paul Christ, just a solid head coach. Former Pitt head coach before he left for Wisconsin and Pat Narduzzi took over that job. Two polar road opposite type yeah. coaches there, by the way. But, you know, he's your, he's your 50-some-year-old dad wearing the crew neck sweatshirt not going to get too high and too low nope. but you know big brute strength strong offensive line great running game historically but really like you said trying to break out from that mode right. a little bit and trust Graham Mertz in a way that you haven't been able to trust you know the Jack Cones of the yeah. world and uh, and the Alex Hornibrooks shout right. out Malvern Prep yeah but they just haven't had that answer at quarterback. No. And now they think they do. I'm uncertain myself. Right. And and we're uncertain about our quarterback too. So the teams are actually kind of quite similar. The 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 one area where I would 100% give Penn State the edge and this does matter is athletes. Penn State pound for pound has more more dynamic athletes just overall does that that and and you know Wisconsin plays their style of ball um, where they go up against teams that have better athletes and they still find ways to win. But I think that might come into play. We'll save that discussion for the other side. Stay with us. Quick break. Ryan Ansel joins us next, and we make our picks here in our famous guest picker segment. So glad to be back in person with my guy Tyler. So glad to get our guest picker back in person second half of the season. Last year, we weren't able to do that. So we'll be back in just a few It's the Nittany Lions Sports Report, Bob Long Sports, and the SportsStream Premium Network. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dunphy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. Nittany Lion Sports Report, our first show of the year. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse, and our first guest picker of the year, it's Ryan Ansel, new head coach at Jack Barrack Hebrew Academy also the owner and founder of Ryan Ansel Basketball, an ambassador for Hoops for Hope, and former assistant at former number one, or at least uh, over the course of the last few years, the top D3 men's basketball program in the country, the Swarthmore College Garnet. So the rap sheet 
it's it's very deep, Ryan. It's nice to have you on. Let's talk about all of it. But first of all, how are you doing? How is recently engaged life? I'm doing great. Recently engaged life has been good. Uh, get Meg to coach uh, some of my AU teams and, you know, get to go to the beach later today. So look at that. It's all good. And <laughs> you're holding them up. You're supposed to be going to the beach. <laughs> Sorry for that first segment that went very long talking about the depth chart. His fiance is probably in the car sleeping already. <laughs> Well, yeah. let's then get through it because, again, the rap sheet is very detailed. But uh, let's start by talking about your business, Ryan Ansel Basketball. So we're Bob Long Sports here. I see you came up with an equally creative name, Ryan Ansel Basketball. Yep, followed in your lead, saw how successful <laughs> you were. So I just figured I'd stick with what you were doing and just switch it up. <laughs> so what is Ryan Ansel Basketball? Uh, Ryan Ansel Basketball, we run private small group trainings, prepare kids for their season, and recently we started Next Play Basketball, which is an AAU program, uh, ages 4th grade through 12th, and we do boys and girls, help the kids get better, prepare for their high school season, and then get opportunities to play and compete in front of college coaches and pursue their goals of playing beyond high school. So as you know, I'm somewhat involved in, in basketball as well. I call games for Swarthmore Garnet. I call high school basketball games as well. One of the areas that I'm not as in-depth or not as connected to is that AAU space, is that personal training space. And so from your perspective, running a business and then electing to take a head coach position, I know you worked really hard at Swarthmore as an assistant, but to take on your old, own program at this time, Jack Barrick Hebrew Academy, what was the thought process and what ultimately led you to decide, hey, I'm going to run my own program. This is my time to do it. Yeah, so I'd say just the opportunity to create a culture. Swarthmore, as you know, we had a special culture, the relationships that we created with the players and the cr players created with each other was something we had at Swarthmore, I had at Davidson. And this is sort of an opportunity for me to go off and sort of take that and sort of build it my own way at uh, Barrick and sort of impact these kids and help them sort of realize what what it takes to be successful and teach them hopefully lessons that will extend beyond the hardwood and the court, but that they can then take and have success in college and whatever's next for them and learn to be leaders, teammates. That's a big thing we talk about with our AU program is that – what are you going to do in that next play? Sometimes things don't go the way you want. You don't do well on a test, but what are you going to do next? Are you going to put your head down or are you going to go study and get better? So, yeah, so I'm excited. It's a new challenge, new opportunity, and I'm thrilled to take take the Cougar program over. That's great. Well, I know we have, uh, I'd say, exclusively college football fans watching and listening to this show. <laughs> But, but a lot of those fans are also college basketball fans. So when you say Davidson, that's a name that rings a lot of bells. Steph Curry, of course, first yeah. and foremost. But beyond that, a longtime and legendary head coach, Bob McKillop, whose coaching tree continues to expand. By the way, I guess you're tangentially part of that tree now because Landry Kosmolski, who was an All-American at Davidson under Bob McKillop, ended up taking the Swarthmore job nine years ago now, brought you on as the assistant, you were under his tutelage, and now you're going off on your own. So take us all the way back to Bob McKillop. If yep. you could parlay that through Landry Kosmolski and tell us about each of those guys as college head coaches. Yeah, so 
Coach McKillop, you learn something new every day, uh, just the way he went about his job and his attention to detail was something that I had never seen before and something that whether it was doing my master's program in Ireland or coaching a kid in an individual training session, there's so many things that I learned from him that I realized and I'll text him and I'm like, hey, thanks for everything you did because like these lessons you taught me, a big one was help someone to help yourself and that's something that's sort of what got me involved with A2S in part because for me to be able to help those kids in Nigeria is really helping me because it, it means more than making a few dollars or anything. It gives a greater purpose and that was something that helps someone to help yourself was something Coach McKillop preached every day, whether it was setting a screen or whether it was helping your teammate outside of uh, basketball. Yeah, you mentioned Nigeria. Great segue. <laughs> Access to success and hoops for hope. I know that's a, a charity that you have spearheaded and become a big ambassador in this area for. So tell the folks what that is. And most importantly, we do this a lot on this show, how they can support whatever mission our guest picker has. In this case, this is certainly your mission. Yeah. Yeah, A2S is an unbelievable charity started by Andrew Lovedale, who played with Steph and played at Davidson. I've become close with him over the years, but they do great work over in Nigeria. It started with him bringing old basketball shoes from Davidson over to kids who didn't have shoes because he grew up in Nigeria without basketball shoes. And now he's building schools, he's building churches, he's building a community center in addition to helping provide food and resources, internet for people to be successful and helping entrepreneurs find a way to not only make money in the moment, but grow a business so that they can pro provide for their families. So it's unbelievable. You can go to uh, a2sfoundation.org and look up Access to Success. And yeah, just getting to know him has been unbelievable and uh, it's just changed my life. So. That's great. That's great. I've had the privilege to learn about it, support where I can, and um, and I've done reads on the different Swarthmore yep. broadcasts. You guys have had an access to success in Hoops for Hope Day yeah. where everybody is encouraged. Everybody coming to the game is encouraged to bring shoes and donate. Yeah. So that's uh, a wonderful thing there. And we had an outdoor three-on-three -three this year since with COVID we had to cancel last year, and we had – raised $5,000, collected over 100 pairs of shoes. So it's just those small things that it's a small way for me to give back, give my time, and get people involved in something sort of greater than myself. It's really interesting. I didn't. I know you were on the show a couple of years ago, but I don't think I really understood fully what you guys did, and it's really cool. Um, now, in terms of coaching, um, what is your career end goal? I mean, obviously you were at Swarthmore, now you're at Jack Barrick, Hebrew Academy, um, and what you're doing with um, Hoops for Hope is, is really cool on top of your, your clinics and, and lessons and all that. Is is your future, do you believe, in coaching, and, and how far really would you want to take it? Yeah, so I would say this kind of goes back to the Landry-Coach McKillop thing. Once I started on staff with Landry, getting to see – He's raised three kids. His oldest is now like 10. The youngest is four. But he went to Swarthmore in part to be able to have a family, be around for his kids, 
be able to go home for lunch to see his kids. And uh, for me, being able to be either a high school head coach uh, or potentially move back to college and be a college head coach at the Division three level, I think is where I'd see myself uh, just in terms of the balance between coaching and family. I think that's something that I want to be able to have both. So I have to ask this question as a guy that's been along for the ride um, and just have enjoyed every minute broadcasting Swarthmore basketball and more importantly following the teams as you've yeah. made your runs. One or two moments over your, what, six, seven years coaching the program? Six years, five seasons. Yeah, unfortunately <laughs> so. What what sticks out to you? There were Elite Eight runs, National Championship, semifinal, you know, runner-up yeah. runs. Um, and then everything else that goes along with running a program like that. Yeah, I would say one of the one moment I'll never forget that you'll remember is the Amherst game where the ball gets peppered around at the end of the game. We're down. Connor hits the three to win it. Uh, In the Elite Eight, that gets you yep. to the Final Four. Yep. Uh, or, or maybe no, that, that was, was 16. Randolph Macon. Yeah, yeah, yep. to get to the Elite Eight the next day and win that game. Uh, that's one, uh, the other would be just the experience and for the guys with it, going to Fort Wayne, for them to be in that environment, given that they work so hard and we know division one, I, I experienced that at Davidson, but seeing how like them, their faces when they walked into those locker rooms and sort of had the division one treatment for that little bit of time, uh, that was pretty cool for to see. And then the end of our COVID season when we spent the whole season from preseason to end of season, number one in the country, I think seeing it was like the toughest day knowing that the season was about to be canceled. But once we got word being in the locker room with those guys and just like seeing that like there was a lot of sadness, but they were like, you know what, we still have each other and like that's – more important than any game and I I think that's something that sort of inspired me to like with building that type of culture where that next play mentality it it was the worst feeling in the world yet they had perspective and they were able to even in that moment when I was like feeling for them they're just like we're hugging and we're like this stinks but mm -hmm. but like next play yep next play next so. play well, I think you have a lot ahead of you. When you say next play, right, and, and trying to figure out what your next step is in your career, you're certainly going to have opportunities. You have many irons in the fire and some great stories, both of the past and then uh, great things that you're doing right now. Did we miss anything before we get to picks? No, I think I'm ready for some picks. Let's do it. Tyler Gellhouse, this is your your uh, stage, my friend. All right, everybody's favorite segment. It's the Pick'em Show um, here at the end of the show. Uh, we will go through a total of six games, one being the Penn State game, um, and that game also having the spread um, attached to it. So, um, of course, just have to say before we get started, tough year, Tyler, for you last it year. It was a tough year. I, you know, tough year all all the way around. I feel like we're gonna, you know, you Penn, had a better record Penn than Penn State. State. That, uh, well, that's good, <laughs> but that's not saying much either. But I'm expecting a good turnaround year. I'm expecting a good turnaround year from Penn State. So we're gonna kick it off right now. Uh, we will start with our guest, Ryan. Uh, I'll give him game by game first. We have um, a Big Ten, another Big Ten opening week matchup. Indiana Hoosiers 
uh, take on the road. Uh, they would be playing at Kinnick Stadium against the Iowa Hawkeyes. So, do we go with the spread or just just for up? Penn State? So this is okay. just who you think's gonna win. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go Iowa. I think Indiana had a good year last year, but they're not gonna start off this season with a win. Iowa Hawkeyes, I love that pick. Uh, actually, it was out at Kinnick Stadium, completely irrelevant to this pick, <laughs> but uh, found my way into the gates. And what a fun stadium that looks to be. A great place to go watch a game. Maybe it's because Penn State struggles to win there, but you got the fans coming back as a full stadium. That's going to be difficult. I like the Iowa Hawkeyes in this one. Yeah, Penn State does struggle there, but they did win their last two in Iowa City. They'll go there again in October. Um, you know, I I really like the Indiana team. Uh, I think last year was probably their best year maybe ever. Um <laughs> You know, I think that with Michael Penix and Ty uh, Freivogel at uh, receiver, it's a really good one-two punch. I don't know if Penix is 100%. He did tear his ACL for like the fifth time, jokes aside, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's completely ready. They say he is. Um, but I'm going to go Iowa, too. I think it's going to be a really close game. I'm looking forward to watching the game um, at 3.30 because, you know, both these teams, are uh, Penn State will be playing them uh, within the next five to six weeks. So, we're all going Iowa. Um, I have it in a close one. The next game on our slate, uh, we have – it's actually not until Sunday night, but uh, Notre Dame uh, travels to Tallahassee to take on Florida State. I got to go Notre Dame when I'm in this house. <laughs> hey, he knows. <laughs> I, I know better. <laughs> yeah, I got Notre Dame in this one. Florida State, Tyler, terrible year last year. <laughs> terrible. You think Penn State had a bad year? <laughs> Florida State had a double Seven as well. Goals. Uh, that that program, they're, they're going to try to re- resurrect what's going on there. Not this particular game. Notre Dame's going to win. Uh, I would take the spread, too. My guess is it's probably a touchdown or something. Nine and a half oh. last time I checked. Yeah, I would actually pick them to co- to cover there. Uh, you know what? I think it's going to be I – th- I think Notre Dame wins, so let's get that out of the way. But I'm interested to see what Mackenzie Milton, at quarterback for Florida State mm-hmm. – um, entering his 10th year of college football. <laughs> yeah. Throwing to Jared Everdares. Right, yeah, right. But used to be at UCF uh, when he won the national championship at UCF. Right, of course. Uh, of course. But um, I do like Notre Dame to win. I think it'll be – I think it might be a little close. Uh, Notre Dame starting quarterback Jack Cohn, the former mm-hmm. Wisconsin quarterback before yeah. Graham Mertz. He's no Ian Buck. No, he is not. Um, the next game – uh, don't be fooled here because the rankings are only two apart. 23 Louisiana um, takes on 21 Texas Longhorns. I'm going Raging Cajun. Oh. The upset. The upset. Welcome to Austin Steve Sarkeesian. That's right. Oh, not so fast. Of <laughs> course, I would say. Uh, yeah, Coach Beard. Uh, oh, wait. Excuse me. Yeah, Sarkeesian. They're replacing all their coaches in Austin right now. Uh, no, I, I think Texas is going to win this game going away. Uh, I don't know that Sark's the answer and Texas football is back for the 15th time yeah, in who the is last the 10 years. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know if they have one. Uh, the SEC might be the answer, or maybe oh, that's maybe digging a, a bigger ditch. But uh, <laughs> I think they win this one over Louisiana. No longer Louisiana Lafayette, by the way. Just Louisiana. Yeah. Well. Used to be. I'm going with just Louisiana. Um, I think they win. Texas is going to be rotating their quarterbacks a little bit. Um, Billy Napier is an unbelievable coach down at Louisiana, who you will definitely be hearing about. 
maybe at the end of this year, but for, you know, big time openings, he's that good. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Texas always seems to like lose games that they shouldn't, especially early on. Mm-hmm. That's I think true. this one fits it. I, I got Louisiana winning as well. Um, and then now we're going to go uh, to the Saturday night primetime event. Neutral site, we have number five, Georgia, taking on number three, Clemson. So, I'm going Clemson. I I don't think Georgia's got what it takes to beat Clemson this 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 first game. I really want to do something here. I, I really want to pick Georgia. And you know what? I think I will. I'll, <laughs> I'll give a game to you here, Tyler. But I think Georgia's going to win this one over Clemson. Uh, Clemson... No doubt about it, by the time December comes around, they are ready to play in the college football playoff, but they have struggled. They let Notre Dame hang around for too long a couple of years ago. Uh, That was the last pre-COVID year where they were doing out-of-conference games. I will go Georgia. I think what's interesting here is if Clemson loses, they can still run the table and make the playoff. Yep. If they lose and then, you know, screw up another game, they might be on the outside looking in with two losses. I would hope so. Um, they they <laughs> certainly should be, especially with the ACC schedule. So if they lose, they're all of a sudden – they have to win every game. Um, I don't think that's going to be what we're talking about on Sunday morning because I think Clemson will win. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, Georgia is very good. And, and look, they're going to have a tougher schedule at the SEC – but they're not going to be out of this playoff race either. Neither team is out of it with a loss. No. Um, for Georgia's sake, it'll be harder for them to run the table, even though with a two-loss team, if they win the SEC, just say they would still get in. Clemson would have to run the table, but I do have Clemson winning. Close game, but a really, really good game. Um, and another another game that should be on, on Saturday night as well is uh, LSU travels to the Rose Bowl to take on the Bruins of UCLA. I got LSU in this one. Uh, UCLA, I think, will hang around, but ultimately, LSU's got this. Bit of a tough year without Joe Burrow last year. Uh, I still think LSU is a superior program. UCLA has not shown it to me. If they win the game, I'll be happy to tip the cap and (laughs) consider that in my picks for the rest of the year, but I'm willing to take that loss this time around if I get it wrong. Stick and chalk, LSU. I'm not going chalk. I'm going UCLA. I have a couple reasons why. Reason number one, UCLA played last week. They smoked Hawaii, which they should have. You know, they got they got a game in. That's that's a big deal. Sure. Um, reason number two, um, the Hurricane, and I don't even know, Ida, is it Ida? Yep. Is getting ready to take and hit, if it hasn't yet, uh, Louisiana. It has, it has unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, um, LSU had to pack up. I think they went to, like, Houston or something. All their gear, you know, practice, all that, and then they're going to fly from – wherever they are, I think it's Houston, out to L.A. So I think there's just a lot going on right now for LSU to be focused. Um, Look, I mean, they won a national championship two years ago. They didn't have a good season last season. I just think between those two things, talent aside, gives and going to the West Coast I think also benefits UCLA. So, Good pick. We'll see. You know, I got to take some, you know, wild chances here to get at you from last year. Um, but our final pick, this will be spread, really. And then when you tell us what you think the score will be, that'll obviously correlate with whether you pick Penn State to cover. Five and a half points, Penn State's the underdog to Wisconsin. Saturday, big noon kickoff, um, Penn State at Wisconsin. 
Give us your score, and then obviously that'll determine if Penn State covers or not. And that's pretty much it. I got 21-14 Wisconsin. Oh, okay. So that, takes they do Wisconsin. just cover by a point right. and a half. Yep. Very good. Why is that? Uh, because, you know, I'm just not sure about Penn State. Uh, good news. Neither are we. <laughs> <laughs> last year they left me uh, a little disappointed. And, you know, I think Wisconsin, given that they're not just a run-heavy team this year, mm-hmm. could be could be able to put up some more points than they have in the past. Yeah, I like this to be close to the wire. Call it 21-20 uh, one way or the other. I am not super in pressed yet. I mean, not that we've seen a ton from Wisconsin. I don't see them blowing anybody's doors off. I also don't think Penn State is going to come out of the gates just firing and winning this game by 10. I think it comes down to the very end. I'll go with the Nittany Lions in a one-point win, but either way, taking Penn State to cover. Five and a half is a pretty big line. I agree. And and a couple interesting things here, which I found out today, is with it, well, one, it's a noon start which I think helps Penn State. 11 o'clock their time. Right. So in terms of the atmosphere and the fans, you see it all the time, Penn State, noon start, how long it takes the students to get in the stadium. <laughs> Fun fact, Wisconsin doesn't start classes till September 8th. Now, I'm sure a lot of the students will go back for the game, but I'm also sure a lot of students will be up partying the night before and will be getting to the game late. Now, home field advantage is a big deal, obviously. I think the noon, 11 a.m. start, and, and that reason – Definitely helps Penn State. Um, I, I, I'm with Bob. I, I see a really close game. I have 23-21 Penn State. Um, it's going to come down to the wire. I think Penn State might get a little bit of poetic justice from the way game one ended last year against Indiana with the two-point conversion. It was called good. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be an ending like that, but I think they get off um, on the right note and you know get ready for Ball State next week. But it's really, honestly, just great to have college football back to the way that we know it, the way that we love it, you know, with the fans at the game and the band and, and everything that goes into it. It's it's going to be really fun to watch. Hashtag pageantry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I. this game is incredibly important for Penn State. It is, it is just essential <laughs> that they come out and win this game if they want to have any shot in the Big Ten. And I say that because... Ball State is not going to lie down the next week. And then it's Auburn. And you saw how things snowballed last year, Tyler, after they lost to Indiana. On a, they played like crap, don't get me wrong, but an incorrect right. call. And then Ohio. It should have never come down to that. It should have never come down to that. They should have won the game by 10 points. They didn't. They mm-hmm. didn't play well enough. They deserved in many ways to lose. Whether or not that call was correct, it was not. <laughs> Ohio State, they got the doors blown off. And then. Already a COVID-shortened season, your best player, Parsons, and then your best tight end, uh, Fryermuth, were out for different reasons, and, and they just kind of laid down for a couple of games. And you just you would hate to see that well, rewrite itself. Hopefully last season was a fluke, um, but we're going to find out in a couple of days. Should be fun. Ryan Ansel, our guest picker here today, and as we will over the course of the year, present you with... Got some new swag here on Bob Long Sports. So that's a Bob Long Sports hat for you. Wear it proudly <laughs> right over top of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the headphones. But appreciate you being with us here today. Thanks for having me, Bob. And, yeah, I had to take Wisconsin so that I could win if it comes down to break even here. There you go. That's <laughs> I like right. Good thinking. Good thinking. We will have – 
guest pickers competing against each other in these six games all year long. So, yes, more where that came from if you win over the oh. course of the year. More, more where that hat came from. So for Ryan Ansel of Ryan Ansel Basketball, Jack Barrick Hebrew Academy, access to sex and, and, and hoops for hope, as well as Swarthmore College Basketball former assistant. Boy, a busy guy. Glad he could fit us in. Thanks for being here. Tyler, thank you, as always. And I'm Bob Long saying so long. Until next time here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report, a Bob Long sports production on the Sports Stream Premium Network.